From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. You're going to be hearing and seeing a lot this week about the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Well, we're focusing on Georgia connections to this amazing historical feat, along with the future of space exploration and some changemakers reaching for the stars and beyond. Tiffany Davis is one of them. She's an aerospace engineer. You may have seen her on your timeline with the hashtag, Yes, I am a rocket scientist. That hashtag went viral in 2016 after Tiffany posted it on her Instagram page, announcing her graduation from Georgia Institution of Technology. Among her more earthbound accomplishments, her plea to make college more affordable caught the attention of then-President Obama. Well, Tiffany has since interned and been hired at Boeing's Mission Operations and Engineering Group in Washington. Washington, D.C., and she's joining me from D.C. to talk about her illustrious career. Thanks for joining us. No problem. I'm happy to be here. So what does a rocket scientist look like? Uh, it looks like me, so <laughs> it can look like anybody that's interested in space or astronomy or just learning how things work and how to get them from the ground up into the air. Well, you did earn a bachelor's degree and working on a master's from Georgia Tech. Why did you choose to major in aerospace engineering? So since I was a young girl, I was always interested in understanding and learning how things work. I was the type of girl that would beg my parents to go to Radio Shack instead of Toys R Us. And I was also like the person that would take apart my Game Boy and try to figure out <laughs> if I could put it back together. You were a nerd <laughs> in the making. <laughs> I was a nerd, and I'm happy to say it. I'm proud about it. And at a cer certain point, it kind of clicked to me very young that aerospace and just learning how to get things from the ground and make them fly or make them orbit or shoot them to the moon. I was really interested in that, and, I, and that's what I decided to pursue as my career. Well, Georgia Tech is a great place for it. Ranks number four Absolutely. in best undergraduate engineering programs. How did your education there translate into what you're doing there today? So Georgia Tech has a very challenging and inspiring engineer program. Um, not only the academic curriculum as well, but their research department. And once I learned that I really wanted to work for Boeing, who was the number one aerospace company in the world, I was like, okay, I got to prepare for this internship. I got to grasp all this knowledge and get the practical experience. So when I show up at Boeing, I can outperform. So I actually joined Georgia Tech's research group, specifically working on structural analysis for airplane planes and different spacecraft systems and I did a research for an entire semester under a professor and by the time I got to my internship at Boeing I completely blew away my mentors and my team leads um, so much so that I was invited back for a second internship that next summer. That was my summers and my sophomore and junior year of undergraduate and my senior year they offered me to join a prestigious rotational program that they have for early career engineers so I did that full-time my first two years out of college and since then I've been relocated to the Washington DC area to continue my career in so aerospace. What are you doing in aerospace now? So right now I'm working as a spacecraft control engineer and what that means is pretty much I'm responsible for the health of different vehicles that are in orbit right now. So just like you have a baby at home and it has a temperature or it may be starting to walk or maybe it's walking a little slow, I'm responsible for checking that temperature, making sure the spacecraft has all its antennas out and it's functioning properly, it's communicating with us well and we can communicate with it as well. So each day I go into work and I kind of run a check or a diagnostic um, test on the spacecraft to make sure it's functioning properly. Is it getting too close to the sun? Is it too out of orbit? Is it overheating? 
eating in certain parts. So pretty much that's what I do. I just um, I'm responsible for checking on that uh, state of health for different spacecraft in orbit. That's a huge job for somebody just a couple of years out of school. Do you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love the responsibility. Um, just like you mentioned, uh, not a lot of early career engineers or early career um, individuals get this type of responsibility. So I'm particularly proud and happy that Bowen has entrusted me with this type of responsibility and technical challenge. Well, I have to call back to earlier in your career because you get things done. I mean, you played a part in getting former President Barack Obama to visit your alma mater, Georgia Tech. This was in 2015 to talk about college affordability. And you introduced him. Here's a little clip from his speech. So I want to thank Tiffany for stepping in. Uh, What she did not mention is that her letter to me uh, was not just to express her concern about student loans, She said in her letter, she said, uh, it was also to procrastinate from doing her thermodynamics homework. That is President (laughs) Barack Obama speaking at Georgia Tech. He is talking about Tiffany Davis, who's my guest. She's an aerospace engineer, and she is the originator of the hashtag, yes, I am a rocket scientist, among other things. But first, like, how did this happen? You, You said that your letter to him, what was that letter and what did you say? Yeah, so just to set the stage, I'm the type of person that always writes a letter or speak up if I have any concerns. So if I didn't get enough ranch with my wings or if Southwest didn't give me enough cookies on my flight, I, I'm going to write a letter <laughs> or send someone some notice about it. So one night I was like <laughs> Obama procrastinating. Said, I, was pro- I was procrastinating my homework and it was about three in the morning. And I started to get this down tunnel, you know, barrel mind thinking like, okay, I'm never going to finish this homework. So I'm never going to graduate from school and I'm never going to pay back these student loans I have. And I just started spinning out of control. And then I calmed myself and I said, hey, I'm going to school for aerospace engineering. So I'm going to be able to pay back my student loans because fortunately that job pays well. And then I started thinking about people such as my parents and my grandparents that are in different industries such as um, education or social services where their industries may not pay as much. So it's not affordable for them to go to college or to pay back those loans for those type of degrees. And that made me upset. And I needed someone to complain to or write a letter about it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write Obama (laughs) a letter because obviously that's the great greatest choice at 3 a.m. Um, so at that time, the White House had a online, basically, text box where you could just email the White House mm-hmm. and it would go somewhere. Sure. So I was like, sure, I'm going to spend 30 minutes of my time just typing out all my grievances against college affordability in America. I pressed in and I was just done with it. <laughs> I didn't think about it. And, and then you get yeah. a call from the White House. Absolutely. What they and say? Then, Yeah. So on this block call, someone says, hey, my name is Vincent and I'm from the White House. We read your letter and we want President Obama to read it today. Because he reads, he gets thousands (laughs) of letters, but he chooses, he chose a couple a day to read. Absolutely. So what did you say? I was like, can someone proofread it? (laughs) Because I didn't even proofread it. I just typed it in and sent it. Um, But of course I said, yes, please let him read it. And they called back the next day and said, oh, he really enjoyed your letter. He would like to send a response letter. You know, where can we send that letter? And I was like, please send it to my mom's house. Don't Mm. even send it to college. Um, And in that letter was very surprising because he talked about how both he and Michelle 
also had student loans at that time while they still were in the White House. They both had student loans from their law school days and how he's actively working to make college more affordable. And he really cares about college affordability. So I was just blown away with that. All right. I got to fast forward to he Mm -hmm. came to Georgia Tech. He introduced his student bill of rights there. You introduced him, as we heard. Well, you've continued your advocacy work and some level in 2018, you launched a mentorship program aimed to provide resources and, you know, helping prepare and increase the number of minorities in the STEM field. How about you? Did you have role models or programs like that when you were younger? Um, So when I grew up, I had parents that were in non-technical backgrounds, and I absolutely didn't have anyone in my community or my family that looked like me and was also in the aerospace field. And that was very... um, discouraging for me. So that's kind of one of my intentions and my ambitions to be that beacon or that template that other young girls or young boys can use to say, hey, she looks like us. We can be like her, too. So how do you prepare them for this kind of field? So my mentorship program is a five stage program where I take these young young kids in and I talk to them about what they're interested in, what their skills are. And I see how that can align with different opportunities in the STEM field. And from there, we hit the ground running with resume writing, mock interviews, getting them applying for internships and different college applications and grants. So really just preparing them for what the real world is, both in terms of academics and STEM career opportunities. Okay, so that's 2018. You launched that. What kind of feedback have you had from it so far? It's been amazing. I'm I'm just so overjoyed that I have this type of response, both from young girls, young guys, and their parents as well. It just seems like there was a need that is now being met by my services, and it's something that I enjoy doing, something that I feel like is a calling for me. I'm really enjoying it. You told us, Tiffany, that you asked for more ranch dressing if you want it, <laughs> more <laughs> cookies. But what, what else do you want to tell young people? Um, I know you've worked with Girls Who Code, so young girls, mm-hmm. especially like you, an African-American girl, maybe didn't have the kind of models that others mm-hmm. have. What would you tell them that it takes to be successful and to move forward like you have? It takes... Um A type of ambition and determination to know that you're going into a field where there's not a lot of people that look like you. And some people will doubt that you belong there because there's not that representation of you already in that field. So it will be times where you feel like you have to prove yourself or you may not belong. But just understand that you have a purpose and you have an intention. And practice makes perfect. Once you put in that work and once you put in that effort, know that you do belong there, that you do deserve to be there, and you're going to crush it. We are, of course, having a conversation this week about the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 moon landing. How does it feel to know that history in essentially making new history for the next generation of scientists? Will there ever be anything as big as the Apollo moon landing was for basically the boomer generation? Absolutely. I do believe the 50 year anniversary is a great time because we're celebrating this pivotal moment in history, especially in aerospace history, where we had this um, accomplishment of getting on the moon. But I think that was just the beginning for us. I actually hope to be one of the first people that walk on the surface of Mars one day. And I think that's exactly where we're going with capabilities being developed at Boeing, such as the SLS, which is the space launch system, our heavy lift rocket that's going to take us to the moon and Mars and eventually beyond that. 
Well, entering your career, were you expected to or did you feel like you were responsible for innovating something new? I mean, if you go into aerospace now, is the idea, this is where we're headed, this is the trajectory to Mars? Absolutely. That's what's hot and what's new in aerospace as well. And especially as a millennial, you have that creativity, that innovation, that drive that you want to make something new, something that's, you know, different from what has been done in the past. So absolutely, people want to go to Mars, people want to mine asteroids, people want to set up amusement parks in space. That's that's exactly what we want to do. It's kind of like the last um, frontier out there, something that's never been explored and doesn't really have a flag, you know, pent on it yet. So. Well, there is a, such a big deal when we were engaged in the space race. The United mm -hmm. States was engaged in the space race in the 1960s with Russia. You know, the Soviet Union at that time was was pitched against us in this battle of, you know, one step forward by one, then the other follows, then the other follows. And, of course, the U.S. triumphantly mm -hmm. on the moon first. What is motivating it? What is pushing it forward now? I think what's pushing it forward now that it's more of a global conversation with uh, capabilities such as the International Space Station, where there is no political or national boundaries, really. It's just people that want to go to the next level in space. I'm sure you're familiar with the 2016 film Hidden Figures. Did you see mm -hmm. that? So yes, back, back in the 50s and 60s, women yeah, of absolutely. color were hidden. Mm -hmm. They weren't part of the team or not acknowledged as such. So now you are one of these young women of color working in the industry. Mm -hmm. How do you look back at those women who came before you? I am astounded, honestly, and it makes me a little sad because I honestly did not know about them until I saw those films and kind of did my own research. So they were truly hidden, even for someone that actually works in the field and are in their same shoes. Um, I thank them for setting the, the groundwork and paving the way for someone like me to prove that, hey, someone in this position or from this background or this gender can actually do this amazing work in this field. And it kind of leads me to kind of carry that torch into the future and especially for generations after me to keep moving the pace and keep um, making the next level higher and higher. Yeah. Have, have you started to see more people who look like you in your field? So each day gets better, but I would say it's still not enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's something I'm working on um, actively by doing different speaking engagements and also my mentorship programs to make it aware that, hey, these are opportunities in this field for people that do look like me. Well, okay, so if you have a young girl who, like you, you know, wants to pick apart her Game Boy, I suppose <laughs> it wouldn't be a Game Boy anymore, mm -hmm. but, you know, pick apart her toys and start to sort of mess around with computers mm -hmm. and look at how things work. There's a lot of pressure on girls to, you know, well, that's not feminine. When you're speaking Absolutely. to kids, what do you say? What do you say to encourage them to think differently about their future? I would say your life does not have to be binary. Women are not black and white. We can be many different things. We're multiverse, multidimension, and I'm not one thing. I'm not just an engineer, but I also was a track athlete. I was a basketball athlete. I was prom queen. I was all that in one. I didn't have to pick and choose between what society wants me to be and what I feel like I am. Uh, somehow I can imagine that, Tiffany, you doing it all. <laughs> but a huge challenge in front of us as a, as a culture, as a world, experiencing mm -hmm. ongoing political divides on war, climate change debates. This list is, goes on and on. You know, so pe some people say, let's focus on what's going on in the earth. What do you say to them when they say, you know, why should we be funding rockets to Mars when there are so many things to deal with here? Absolutely. And I would 
recommend them to look what has come from when we actually do these space experiments. Something like uh, osteoporosis medicine, um, where you're looking at the bone decay and how the bone acts differently in space. We were able to diagnose that and treat that by looking at how astronauts' bone decay in space under no-gravity environment. Well, I had no idea. I just thought mm -hmm. we came away with Tang. Nope, nope. Plenty of inventions <laughs> come from space and us going up there with limited resources and figuring out a, made, a way to make it work. And that ends up creating some type of innovation or product that we can bring back to Earth to make other people's life easier or more healthy. All right. For the record, I was joking about Tang. But I'm so <laughs> yeah. pleased to learn more from you today, Tiffany Davis. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. Tiffany Davis, she's a rocket scientist and Boeing aerospace engineer. And earlier we mentioned the contributions of mathematicians and hidden figures like Mary Jackson, Katherine Johnson, and Dorothy Vaughn. While NASA recently named the street in front of its headquarters in D.C., Hidden Figures Way, to honor wow. the legacy of those women who played a major role in the space race. Tiffany, thinking something might be named after you one day. <laughs> I do hope so. Well, as we head into the break, we're going to leave you with a little bit of Sun Ra. This is Rocket Number 9. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stay with us for more of On Second Thought. Venus, Rocket Number 9, you call for the planet. To the planet. Venus, Rocket Number 9, you call for the planet.